0: We always finish our Monday morning show with the Courier Mail's chief sports writer
1: in Robert Crash. Craddock, no difference. Crash is with us now. Crash, good morning. Good morning, Paul and Jared, And what a morning it is as uh, we recover from that epic contest last night between India and Pakistan. One of the, not just the greatest, probably the greatest game of T20 ever played, but one of the iconic games of cricket of this century. It was just uh, stupendous. Crash, Gerard
0: and I were talking this morning, and we know we have a tremendous rivalry with England, but it's sort of unless you're Indian or Pakistani, I don't think you really understand the uh, the situation with
1: these two nations. No. Well, look, Greg Chappell called it the ashes multiplied by 100, and people started laughing when he said it about uh, five or six years ago. But the point, I get it too, because it involves about one-fifth of the world's population, India plus Pakistan, and they meet so infrequently because there's a cold war, of course, going on between them. They don't play each other in bilateral series, the only time they play in World Cup. So there was, uh, they sold that game out last night in about 10 minutes. They felt they could have sold upwards of 300,000 tickets if it had been totally bottomless. If there had been a stand which could never be filled. Like it was incredible.
2: And I think, I think that's the big thing that I took out of the match and just watching it. I sort of... I was wishing I was there. Uh, the atmosphere it, must have been unbelievable. but uh, And it went right down to the wire.
1: It did. Well, Virat Kohli, um, what a performance. I mean... Just everything. The way he managed the umpires in the last over, Mariah Rasmus, he said to him, Yeah, that's a no ball, it's above the waist, you know, and he, he was pivoted on his on, on his left foot and, and spoke to him, almost demanded a no ball, which he got. And he was fist pumping his boundaries. But what I loved about Coley was he had about five gears to his batting. He started slowly and then he worked through them. Then he got to fifth gear, back to fourth gear, and then the explosion at the end. I mean and, and do you know what? Tell me a crude shot he played. There was none of these outrageous swipes, you know, that you think, oh, my God, what's that? He's very orthodox, Coley, and he proved that you don't have to be poor magicians from the hat to score runs in T20 cricket. He's, th- this was his masterclass. Sachin Tendulkar said it was the greatest innings he'd ever played, and I sort of get that. I mean, the the stat that gets me is they needed 48 runs off the last three overs. That's 18 balls. I mean... Oh, you know, And it also tells you that Pakistan choked, by the way, but that's the pressure that Kohli put on them. And, Crash, uh, shouldn't be forgotten that until the Asian Cup a little bit earlier
0: this year, Virat had gone about three years without any sort of dint uh, into international, international cricket. He's been very much short of runs everywhere.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it was interesting because... Uh, Those three gentlemen, uh, Kane Williamson, Steve Smith and Virat Kohli, when you walk with the gods of the game as a batsman and you reach this sublime level, it normally only lasts about three years or so, generally speaking. And they all sort of came off a bit together. This, this was the amazing thing for different reasons, you know. But there was a feeling that Coley's intensity had burnt him out. He's the most fiery eyed cricketer of his generation. He, he's just, he runs with this electric current through him. And that there was a feeling that, that it just, just burnt him out a bit. But last night it was back to vintage Coley, you know, the man, the challenge, the fire in his eyes, the passion in his heart. It was, Stupendous entertainment, and I'm so happy for the competition organisers of the T20 World Cup because, in a sense, it doesn't matter what happens now. They got that game in. There was 80 million hits, internet hits in India on Saturday with the words Melbourne weather in it. You know, they they just 80 million, 80 million hits. They were obsessed about it. Uh, You know, whether this game would go ahead. That's how much it means to them. These two arch rivals. What a shame they weren't charging. Crash! Uh, <laughs> so was that game involved in your underrated or overrated? Well, uh, uh, overrated is <laughs> any other game of cricket compared to India-Pakistan. I, I just think we, we saw it last night in our own shores and it was a message to us that these games are just in another stratosphere. They just mean more. And, and what I truly, truly loved about it was that in a world where there's so much meaningless cricket, you know, where where you just where these games just float in and disappear, you see life and death matches like that, and they mean so much. Uh, underrated, I have to say. Paul also came from that game, swinging the ball. It, it's just, you know, I, I saw Bhuvneshwar Kumar bowling at one twenty-five kilometres an hour. This gentle pace. That's about Terry Alderman's old pace, you know. Um, uh, Australia's leading female seam bowlers can match that pace, but he's a little magician. He was wobbling it around and, oh, swinging the ball. New Zealand did it. India did it. Australia struggled to do it on Saturday. So it's just a lost art, which is so important in cricket. Look, we've got a lot of cricket to talk about this morning, Crash, but I can tell
0: you from what we saw earlier this morning when we do our winners and losers from the weekend of sport, one organisation and one sport that came up a lot in the losers column and without very, very few friends or backing, and that's netball and Mm. the loss of this $15 million from Gina Reinhart and Hancock prospecting.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, it's a shambles, isn't it? If I was a sponsor, I'd be very reticent about being involved with netball, and it's got nothing to do with moral stances either, by the way, it's just that they're a poorly run organisation. And uh, Gina Reinhart actually, despite what has been written uh, recently, she doesn't ask a lot when she sponsors a company. A lot of it's just gives. She does it for, for other reasons. Now, make up your own mind about carbon footprints and mining but you know she's pretty generous and they will be doing very well to get that 14 million from someone else mainly because a lot of it was wiping off debt now you don't ask a sponsor to do that do you it's it's one thing to say can you sponsor the diamonds for next season it's another mm-hmm. thing to say oh by the way we're 6 million in debt can you pay that or however many in debt million dollars in debt they are yeah, I thought um, for all that, I do believe sportsmen should have should be entitled to a say uh, in sponsorships or at least be heard out, you know, at least be heard out. For many years, Paul, uh, they just had to simply got what came their way and whether you're advertising cigarettes or alcohol or gambling organisations, they had no say at all. I do believe they are... They should be consulted about it. But uh, you've also got to accept that if they walk away and it's your fault, you've got to take the financial hit. Well, there's bigger consequences here at play, I think, Crash. This can happen to
2: any sport, and we're seeing a lot more of these minority aspects of sport um, standing up and wanting to be counted. What do you think happens going forward?
1: Uh, I, I think we'll see more consultation of athletes. And particularly in the bigger sports, like Gina Reinhart sponsors a sports like rowing, and what does she get back from them? Really, how how, how, do, how does she get publicity out of that? She gets minimal publicity. They've she she's a, a bit of uh, a hero to the rowers and the swimmers and all that. But to the bigger sports that can pick and choose, I think there will be a little bit of tap dancing in that. Pat Cummins, of course, expressed his views about the carbon footprint as Alinta Energy was leaving. And I know Alinta Energy officials are feeling very let down by Cricket Australia because they said, we stuck by you during COVID. We stuck by you after the ball tampering scandal when your stocks were low. And we've yeah. come out of this looking badly. I think we'll see reticence from a lot of sponsors towards getting involved with, with teams that are, you know, politically sensitive. Yeah.
0: Crash, I don't know if you know off the top of your head, but outside of the uh, the TV rights for, for
1: cricket here in Australia, what are sponsorship dollars worth annually? Oh, well, it, it's... it's Well, the main one, of course, is, uh, as you say, television rights. Uh, but, Paul, I'm not sure of the actual figure, except to say that, you know, it forms a, a key part of a player's wages. I remember Andrew Simons... Uh, you know, when it was written in the contract that you had to do something like 20 appearances a year for Cricket Australia, he went to him and said, "Can I have a, I'm happy to have a cut of $100,000 a year if I can do less appearances. So, you know, it's a, it, it is explained to the players that these sponsorship dollars are a key part of their wage. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's very significant. Not as big as television rights, which I think are about 60% of the income, But, you know, these sponsorships are multi-million dollar deals.
2: I suppose uh, this is one that we can flag with Tim Fuller next time we have him on. And we have mentioned it many, many times. But, Crash, do you think that uh, what we've seen over the past few days will see a lot of contracts either rewritten or
1: reworded uh, before they're signed going forward? Yeah, I, I, I do, actually. There's always been a clause, I know, in the Cricket Australia contract in that you have... Uh, the option to mount a uh, a case for objection, and we've seen Usman Khawaja not wearing an alcohol sponsorship on, uh, you know, who's uh, a Muslim on on his playing kit. I mean that that happens occasionally, but I think they will have a look at him going forward. A- absolutely, Jared, and and you know, sponsors are hard to get. You know, they they big time sponsors. I I, I know, and for the smaller uh, sports, they absolutely cherish what they get because it it, it, it is tricky. It's, it's a minefield. And uh, I'll say this about Pat Cummins, though. Um, he has copped a lot of grief by people saying, oh, well done, Pat. You obviously hadn't thought about people further down the chain. But he never said to Cricket Australia, get rid of this sponsorship. He was asked about his views and he told them what they were. So he's entitled to do that. If you're the captain of the team, you're entitled to have that opinion. I get it. But you've also got to accept the consequence to go with it. You also have to accept that companies are going to say, is it really worth the hassle? Because Alinta Energy are really... Like, some of their senior executives, I know, are privately really quite steamed up about this and said it's just a waste of time for us, you know? Like, we're having our reputation besmirched and we're giving people money. What doesn't... Yeah, well, it,
2: sorry, Jared. Well, I was going to say, isn't one of the main reasons why... Uh, businesses attach themselves to some sort of sponsorship deal is firstly coverage for the business and secondly access to the to the
1: names of all the, the players themselves. Yeah, exactly. And, and like Gina Reinhardt's people, I'm sure, were saying, hey, do we really need this? Do we really need to be playing $14 million to have our company's name um, questioned? So, uh, look, I, I thought that Gina may have missed an opportunity for reconciliation here too. You know, I thought if she'd have been prepared to say something about the regret of her father's statements about Indigenous um, heritage, which were hugely offensive, but uh, it is that in itself she would consider that a minefield and she just said, no, I'm not going here. They thought she was going to stick with them. On Friday night at about 5 o'clock, they thought it was all solved, awkwardly solved. Then on Saturday morning they were contacted by Hancock Prospecting and they said, nah, it's done, we're we're finished with you. Crash,
0: uh, uh, back to the cricket, it's not a good look when when the national team are brought into the spotlight for the wrong reasons about sponsorship and things like that and they get a few of the public offside and then when they were well and truly beaten by New Zealand, it doesn't go down
1: well with fans. No, it doesn't. And they were thrashed. I mean, even a small thing, like just being bowled out for for more than a hundred, for just over a hundred, when... Net run rate is so important in this competition. They could win their last, all of their last four or five pool games and still miss the final. So they should have cribbed and scratched and clawed their way up to around 145 when the alarm bells were ringing just to limit the damage a bit because it does matter. But, yeah, the, the, their batting was... They've got all the same sorts of batsmen. These guys that can hit a ball from Brisbane to Sydney... But in terms of crafting an innings, and this is where I thought Coley was brilliant last night, what about the way he worked through the gears, which the Australians didn't do, did they? So, um, so many lessons from the great Virat Coley. And as I said, bowling, uh, they were really smacked around by the Kiwis, uh, who had a clever game plan. They came forward to Josh Hazelwood, They said, mate, we know you're Mr Line and Length. We're going to get to that line and length. We're coming forward and we're coming after you.
2: And uh, if that wasn't bad enough, now Fafdu Plissi has come out and claimed that Australia (laughs) were ball tampering for several tests in South Africa in 2018.
1: Yeah, and, and, and I do believe that is correct, that it happened in at least one other test. The Cape Town test was when Cameron Bancroft was detected and I, I, I do believe it happened in one other test. And the fact that it, it, it happened in one other test has always convinced me that more people knew other than Smith, Bancroft and Warner. because. It, it, it just the dressing room being a dressing room, the only way those three were the only people that would have known, as has been alleged, was that if they'd have done it that morning, that day, suddenly they'd appear with it and, and no one else knew. But if you do it in more than one test, oh, you cannot tell me that the word wouldn't get around. I mean, come on. You, you know, players talk, sitting in a room, hey, can't get that ball to swing. They're getting a hoop. What are you doing to it? You know, so, mm. yeah. Faf was pretty fair, though, Jared. He said, hey, we, we, we tampered with the ball. I used my zip at times. I was fine. It was a dark art. We were all into it. And he also said, I felt sorry. And this was significant for Cameron Bancroft because he said, I've been that person, that younger guy who, oh, mate, can you handle the ball? And a mate of mine who knows Bancroft said to me that Bancroft said to him once... When I was in the dressing room and I knew what I had to do, I just sort of thought, oh, God, this is the silliest thing I've ever had to do, you know. So yeah. I, I just think, yeah, tough times. Crash, we've always heard that David Warner is
0: going to write a book when he calls it time on his international playing days. Uh, I
1: believe, though, his his manager's had a bit to say about what he should write in his book. Yeah, he has. And this is where good management, you know, can mean so much to a player. I mean, I've just said, I think more people knew than the three who were found guilty and banned. Now, Warner could blow up the building if he wants to. You know, he he, the book deal, I'm not sure how much it is. He signed it a couple of years ago. I'd be staggered if it was less than a million dollars. However... He, he wants to be a commentator. And his wife, Candice, who's done such a good job uh, working uh, work with her on the back page on Fox Sports, he's really good this year. And it's all there for him. So, why, as James Erskine said, why blow up the building? Why? why yeah. a, a, and Mark Bosnich once got offered, I think, $2 million to write his autobiography. And he said, no, he said, this will just cause me heartache. And it was the smartest decision Bos ever made. And I... I, I When I heard James Erskine say it, well, I interviewed him about it and I thought, mate, you get it because we'd all love to read the full story, Okay, The journalist in me says, oh, come on, just sit down unless I'm dying to hear it all. But if I was advising David Warner, I'd say, mate, stay mum. It's just not worth the hassle. If you were advising
0: Mel Meninga, who should be the halfback for Australia at the World Cup crash, who would it be?
1: I'd say Cleary ahead of Cherry Evans, and 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 I know as a Queenslander we're supposed to say, "Oh, he won the Origin, he did this." Cleary's a decade younger than Cherry Evans. He's the guy on the rise. They're in camp, so they've got all these matches where he can learn to work with Cameron Munster, which of course is Cherry Evans's greatest single asset—that him and Munster work together beautifully. But I just think you look forward, you go with the, the you know, the guy who's probably the best player in the game, and. Uh, It's not that hard a decision, I would have thought.
0: And uh, we had that revelation from Paul Green's wife just before the weekend crash about Paul Green and
1: the brain injury that he was suffering. Oh, yes. Severe brain injury from repetitive head knocks. And, I mean, there's no other reason than simply, you know, the marathon stint he had. And, like, Paul, it made me think of how many other guys are suffering like this. On little panel shows in Sydney, I've been on with a couple of players who are now commentators who said, you know what, I think about myself a bit. I have these moments where, you know, I'm just not quite there. And and I think this is far more widespread and very well concealed because if if Paul Green, to to spend any time with him, he was articulate, uh, thoughtful, coherent everything and he was suffering from one of the br- worst brain diseases ever so it just shows if you're a rugby league player get checked see what you can do take nothing for granted and uh, you know it's uh, it, it was it was stunning news but in some ways comforting because his children will now know that the reason why why Paul took his own life and it was out of everyone's hands, really. Crash, I was only go- say,
2: so so there's a positive out of this. It was a terrible, terrible story, but hopefully uh, uh, it's for the betterment of everybody else in the game.
1: Well, I- exactly. And, and I think that... Studies will increase with this, but I have to say, Jared, I, I was stunned by it because, as I said, Harvard educated, uh, um, you know, thoughtful, you know, really no sign of slurs or, yeah. or anything, but yeah, amazing. Good on you, Crash. Always a pleasure. We'll chat to you next week. See you then.